Super excited for today, starting a new series. Uh, man, we're going to have a ball right here. And I love just, uh, hold on, let me get my notes up or it's going to be a disaster. There we go. Um, I love this because we all deal with people that is that are hard to be around. How many people have ever been around a difficult person before? Come on. Okay. All of us, right? We, we all have to learn how to deal with people. I'm excited because I want to not only talk about these people. We're not going to like talk bad about these people. That sounds bad. I'm not talking about these people like that. We're just going to discuss how we can love these people better, uh, how we can, can really minister to these people, how we can help these people, and how can we deal with all the crap that they bring in our lives, you know? So here we go. We're going to talk about it next week. Uh, this is a four-week series. Next week, we're going to talk about critical people, uh, people that just... Just nitpick everything in your life, right? And people that are just negative all the time, and they're just real critical. The next uh, week, Pastor Stephanie is going to be preaching on the third week, and she's going to be talking about needy people. How many of y'all have been around a needy person? It's like, no matter how much I try to help you, you still need more. It's like a black hole, like a vacuum. They just need, 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 need. And then the last week, we're going to talk about hypocritical people, all right? Uh, hypocritical people. Nobody likes a hypocritical person, all right? And uh, it's hard to figure out how to love these people, but when we can learn that we're a little bit of a hypocrite too, it helps us a little bit. So we're going to talk about those four things, but today we're going to talk about people that are controlling, all right? How many people know a controlling person in your life? Come on, raise your hand. If a person next to you pulled your arm down uh, when you tried to raise your hand, spoiler alert, you're sitting next to one, okay? Uh, how many, there's people in our lives that love to control us. And maybe for some of you, in all seriousness, you've had an issue with someone like this. Maybe a controlling person that was abusive to you, or maybe uh, they verbally abused you, they physically abused you, and they were just really hard to deal with and that's kind of messed up your life. Maybe it was an authority figure in your life. Maybe you've worked for a boss before that was very controlling and it kind of like gave you a bad taste in your mouth or maybe you had a controlling boyfriend. Um, and it's important to understand right from the beginning that these people are emotional black holes. Like you feed into them or you don't give them what they want, they have a response. If you give them what they want, you enable them to do it even more. But if you don't give them what they want, you better watch out. You know what I'm saying? Like a controlling person, they're going to pout. They're going to whine. They're going to stomp. They're going to complain. They're going to threaten you. They're going to give you the silent treatment. They're going to use any tool in their tool belt to try to get you to do what they want you to do. And before you know it, everybody that is in their life is walking on eggshells around these people. How many, have you ever had to walk on eggshells around somebody before me? My gosh, it is like the worst. I can be this person in my house a lot of times where people walk on eggshells around me. Um, but if you're thinking of someone right now uh, that, that I've been describing this just a little bit, I need you to just remember something. This is a small room, not a lot of people in here, Okay. Don't be looking at people while we're giving this message, all right? If they're your spouse, if you live with this person, keep it cool, all right? Just eyes straight, smile and nod. That's all you got to learn how to do right there, all right? So we're not going to single anybody out uh, or anything like that. And I'll, I'll tell you this right off the bat. During these next four weeks, I don't have anyone in my brain. Now, a lot of people, I feel like, think that I'm up here and I'm like, 
controlling people in there. I'm like, think, I'm not thinking of anybody because I have people like this in my life. I can be this person in other people's lives. And so we're just going to talk about it. How do we love these people? How do we love the people that are trying to control us? Well, let's start with the foundation here. We have to start with this foundation. Uh, people that are controlling use two weapons in their lives. They're right here. They use threats and they use guilt. You just leave this slide up for a little bit. So let's talk about threats. Uh, If you don't do what they want you to do, they're going to go, if you do that, you're going to regret it, right? Like you're going to pay. Or hey, if you don't perform, you're going to get punished. You're not going to get that bonus. Uh, You're going to have to work overtime. You're not going to be able to see your family, right? Like, hey, if you don't do what I want you to do, you're going to pay, right? Like I'm going to make life miserable. How many of you feel like I'm talking about your kids right now? Anybody? I'm just joking. Uh, But but this is how uh, it might come from a boyfriend, right? It might come from a boyfriend who threatens to break up with you if you don't try to do what he wants you to do sexually, right? Like it might come from a boss who terrifies you and you're like always on edge because that one time you turned in something a little late and all of a sudden they lost it or or they're micromanaging you, they're doing these things. It may be a spouse that threatens to leave. If you don't quit doing that, I'm going to leave. I, we're just gonna, I'm just going to leave you. We're just going to get divorced, right? Regardless of the situation, controlling people love to make threats. They're like addicted to it. They can't stop. The second tool that they use is guilt. Y'all say guilt. Here's how this sounds. After all I've done for you, you can't do this one thing for me. Like I've done all this stuff, but you can't do this one thing for me, right? Maybe for you, it came from a friend. Like I thought we were close. I I thought you were my friend. I guess I can't count on you now right? Like, I I guess you're just flaky. I can't count on you anymore. Uh, It could be a friend that thinks you've let them down. You call yourself a Christian. Uh, Some Christian you are, right? Like some people say this. Maybe it's a relative, all right? They, They might say like, you never call. Uh, You're always too busy for me. You don't love me. I could be dead for two weeks and you never know. And all of a sudden they start guilting you and guilting you and guilting you. So how do we love these people? Because we're around these people all the time, right? Like we're around people that love to just put guilt trips on us. I feel like I'm hitting a nerve back here with somebody just smiling back there. Don't point any fingers. I told you, don't point any fingers. Uh, But how do we love these people who try to manipulate us? They try to control us. They want to just do what we want them to do. Well, today we're going to look at a story in Matthew chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, turn there. And it's a story about a guy named Peter. Y'all say Peter. Peter was a lot like me, Uh, and I'm not talking about the spiritual side of Peter. I'm talking about he was a moron a lot of times and stuck his foot in his mouth all the time. And there's a good chance that if I know you well in here that I have stuck my foot in my mouth talking with you before. Peter did this all the time. And uh, he was kind of, he was like, he like, he would act and then think, right? Like he didn't, he never thought and then acted. He would always just, he was very impulsive. And I'm the same way. I could be the same way. And so we're going to look at a story where Peter is trying to control Jesus. Now, if there's one dude in the whole universe that you don't want to try to control, it's Jesus. And here Peter is. And Jesus is trying to explain the will of God on his life, on Jesus's life. And he's telling people, hey, God sent me. I'm going to die. But don't worry, I'm going to come back to life. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
No, you're not. Like, that's crazy. Here's what it says. Matthew chapter 16, starting in verse 22, he says this. But Peter, after Jesus said this, he took Jesus aside and began to, what's that word? Reprimand him. The nerve that this guy has. And let me just put this out, out there. People that try to control you will always try to isolate you. They're going to pull you aside. They're going to try to pull you aside so you have no other defenses. You have no one else that can come and like save you, right? Like they're going to pull you aside. Peter pulls Jesus aside and he begins to reprimand him. And so when I hear this word reprimand, he's not saying this nicely. He's kind of like coming down on Peter a little bit, right? Like, come on, dude. He's saying, heaven forbid, Lord. I mean, come on. This will never happen to you, is what he says. And then Jesus turned to Peter and says this, my gosh, talk about a strong response back. He says, get away from me, Satan. You are dangerous trapped to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, listen to this. If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. How do we love those who are trying to manipulate and control us? From this story, I want to bring you three different things, the very important things that we need to know if we're going to try to love the people that control us. If you are a note-taking person, could not be a better Sunday to remember this stuff because I'm telling you, these next four weeks, you're going to want to remember this. If you're not a note-taking person, become one today. All right, Jesus says, if you take notes in church, you get to go to heaven. All right, so uh, go ahead and take notes. I'm lying. He never said that, but I mean, it's a pretty good idea. So, uh, all right, first thing is this. Know what you're called to do. Y'all say no. Come on, you got to know what you're called to do. Jesus was very clear on what he was called to do. All throughout his ministry, he's reminding people, here's what I came here to do. Here's what I came here to do. He was, in fact, telling Peter and the rest of the disciples right before he calls Peter Satan what he was called here to do. He was called here to save, to seek and save sinners. He, he was called to give his life as a ransom for many. He was called to be killed. He was called to be raised to life. In order to love the people who are trying to control you, it's really important that you understand who God created you to be and what your calling in life is. What has God called you to do? What has God called you to do? And a lot of times when people hear that, they're like, well, I don't feel called to do anything because you think that, man, my calling in life, it has to be something grandiose. It has to be something crazy. It has to be something like that's gonna change the little, like I'm gonna find the cure for cancer. That's what my God's call in my life. Well, I hope that might be, that might be God's call in your life, but a lot of times that's not what God's call on your life looks like. It's a lot more basic than that. Um, for some of us in here, is to just love your wife, love your spouse. That's what you're called to do. Uh, love your children. Maybe you're called to just graduate school in this next season. Maybe for you, it's like, I just want to, I, I feel like I'm called right now to serve at church. Like I'm just, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do what it takes. I feel called that I need to do that. Maybe for some of you, it's like, man, I'm just trying to reach these people at work. I'm just trying to be a good influence on these people, uh, these people that I'm around. I'm just trying to, to be a good influence. That's what I'm called to do. And first and foremost, that's what you need to do if you're called to do those things. Um, I know for me, uh, I, I've we actually spent a few, like a week uh, earlier this year in Spokane, Washington. Shout out to the Washingtonites, or is that what y'all are called? 
What's a person from Washington called? Washingtonians? <laughs> Washingtonites? Okay, great. Like we have several people in here from Washington, believe it or not. We went to Spokane, Washington, and we actually spent, I mean, intense days figuring out what God has called us to do. Do you want to hear what I'm called to do? I can sum it up in two words, okay? Uh, first and foremost, before you throw it up, Kev, uh, obviously, if you're married in here, you're called to your spouse, you're called to your kids if you have kids. That's, that's not being said. But I, can, I, I spent some time. And let me tell you, this was not a fun process for me. I had to face some things uh, from my past. I had to wrestle with some things. And, and, but God used all that stuff to show me what I'm called to do. I can sum it up in two words. Here's my two words. I'm called uh, to braid cords. Braiding cords is my call. And you're like, that sounds weird. It's because it is weird. I don't care if it makes sense to you. It makes sense to me. But I'm going to explain it to you. The Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. So when we weave people together, we become stronger. God's created me to braid cords. That means I exist to connect individuals into a strong family. I hope that if you've walked into the doors of Oasis Church, that you felt like you've been woven into a strong family. That's what I want from people. That's what God's called me to do. And Stephanie has a completely different calling that she can share if she wants to, but this is my personal calling. Now, how am I going to do those things? Well, I have four things here. Here's how I get there. I will inspire change because every person needs to meet the better, better person of themselves. Let me say that again. Inspire change because every person needs to meet the better version of themselves. So maybe I can help people inspire them to change so that they can meet the better version that God put inside of them. The second thing is I want to find connection because every person can fit in. And so let me tell you right now, if me and you sit down, I promise you we will leave friends because I will find a point where I can connect with you. I just, I love doing that with people. I love challenges, like people that you don't think I'd ever be friends with. I'm going to be their friend because guess what? I'm going to like something that they like. That's what my, I mean, I'm, that's just how I've always been. I want to find connection with people. The second one is I want to shine bright. When I walk into a room, I want to make it better because every person thrives in the light. And so if I can walk into a room and, and lift up the spirit in the room, that's what I want to do because I believe people need that in their lives. And the last thing is this, is I I want to encourage deeply because every person needs to be reminded of who they really are. And when I do those things, I'm braiding cords. I'm helping people fit in to a strong family. And listen, I dictate my time based on this stuff. I know what I'm called to do. This is, that's what I'm called to do. And that's what, and you could drop me in the middle of uh, a country where I don't even speak the language and I'm naturally just going to want to break cords. All right, I'm going to find people. I'm going to connect. Boom. Okay. Food. I like food. So do they. Okay, great. Let me connect with, right? I'm just, I want to connect. That's what God created me to do. That's my life calling. And I hope uh, that you've experienced that at Oasis Church. It might make you make some sense a little bit of why we're weird sometimes. Well, that's why, because that's what God's called me, called me to be weird. But here's the problem. I can know that and I can know that's what I need to fight for. Like, I can't let people control me because I'm called to do that. And if something's going to make me not do that, I'm not living in my calling in my life. But here's my problem. I'm a people pleaser. How many people pleasers are in this room right now? Come on, raise your hand. How many people raise their hand because you felt bad for me, right? 
You'd be a people pleaser, right? Like that's that's just who I am, and and I, many of us battle with this, right? Like uh, th- there's something uh, that we all need to understand about people pleasing. A lot of us are people pleasers. That's why your life is a wreck, is because you're living your life for someone else. Let me remind you of something: people pleasing is a form of idolatry. People pleasing is a form of idolatry because we are wrongly putting other people's opinion of us ahead of what God's plan is for us. So when you people please, all of a sudden you're putting other people's opinions above what God wants you to do. And here's the deal. I want to serve people. I want to, I want to help people. I want to be there for people. I want to show up to your kid's sporting events. I want to come to your house. I want to be friends. But guess what? If I, if me doing that is going to prevent me from living my calling that God's given me in my life, I'm people pleasing when I show up. And that's a form of idolatry. That's why this is so important that we have to know our calling. Write this down. If you're taking notes, it's not going to be on the screen. Calling clarifies. Come on, y'all say calling clarifies. It clarifies. A lot of people have a clear plan for my time. A lot of people have a clear plan for your time. You know, like when you first get married, right? I mean, we have some newlyweds in this, in this church right now. And here's the deal. That's one of the hard things about when you first get married is your mother-in-law has a clear plan for your time when it comes to Christmas and Thanksgiving, right? Like, and I'm not, I love my mother-in-law. I think she's great. And I'm not talking about her at all. I'm just saying that's a typical struggle. We have to learn like, okay, they're not a part of this family. They're not a part of that family. They're their own family. And so you have to, okay, what are we going to do as a couple? We try to encourage our couples to do that when they get married. Um, And the same is true for you. Other people have a very clear plan for your time, all right? And they need to, they say, you gotta be here. You gotta go there. You gotta help me do this. But when you know what you're called to do, you can protect yourself a little bit and go, you know what? I really wanna help, but I can't help because here's what I'm called to do. I'm called to do this. And when you know your calling, you can have some clarity on how to understand when people are trying to control you. You can understand like kind of when it's happening a little bit. Why does this matter? This is big right here and I want you to hear me. Here's what I know. Every controlling person has one thing in common. Do y'all know what it is? Every controlling person has one thing in common. I'm gonna tell you. Every controlling person has someone that allows it. Every controlling person has one thing in common, and it's someone that allows it. If you are constantly being controlled by a person, you are consistently allowing it in your life. So you have to know what you're called to do so that you can start to protect yourself and you can live your God, God's best life for you. So understand your calling. It creates clarity. It's going to help you make decisions so that you can get out from under some of these controlling people. So the first thing is we got to understand, know what God's will is for our life. The second thing is this, know when someone else is trying to control you. Know when someone's trying to control you. Before you can really love them, you have to be able to identify when it's happening. Some people in here are in such a toxic relationship with a controlling person that you don't even realize it's happening anymore. Like you're just so used to it. And that's not okay. You have to understand when it's happening. In this story, Jesus is telling his disciples, hey, here's what God's called me to do. I'm gonna lay down my life and God is gonna raise me back up. But Peter steps in and says, no, no, no. That's never going to happen. Was Peter the worst guy ever? 
No. Was he trying to rain on Jesus' parade? No, he wasn't. Was he consciously trying to deter Jesus from the call of God on his life? No, he wasn't trying to do that. In fact, just before this, Peter gets like the best Christian ever award. Jesus asked the question, who do you say I am? Y'all have probably heard this before. This was right before this happened. And Peter goes, I mean, talk about, he would have got a gold, four gold stars in Sunday school pinned next to his name on the board. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says this, and Jesus looks at Peter and says, man, man didn't didn't reveal this to you. God himself revealed this to you. And on that truth, I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. I mean, my gosh, I mean, could he have said anything better in that moment? Literally right after this, he, Jesus is looking at him going, get behind me, Satan, you're crazy, right? Like he wasn't trying to, 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 uh, to, to tear Jesus down. No, no, no. But, but Jesus had to recognize when someone was trying to step into his calling and tell him, hey, you, you, you can't do that. And Jesus is like, no, I'm so committed to my calling. I'm going to recognize when this has happened. I'm going to shut it down. That's how committed Jesus was to his calling. That's how committed we have to be to our calling. We have to recognize God's plan in our life, and we have to recognize when someone else is trying to step over that line to get us off plan. Why? Because I don't want to fall into the people-pleasing trap. I don't want to fall into the trap of people trying to control me. I want to be living for God, doing what he wants me to do. So we have to know our calling. We have to know when someone's trying to control us. And the third thing is this. You have to know where to draw the line in the sand. Now, this is the part that's hard for everybody in this room. Unless you're an eight on the Enneagram, then I would love to just figure out how you do this without feeling like you don't have a soul. All right, so I I have a hard time doing this because I'm a people pleaser. That's exactly what Jesus did to Peter. He says this, Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God. So if your grandma calls you and she's trying to make you feel guilty, just call her the devil and tell her to get behind. I'm joking, don't do that. But, but imagine if Jesus, or imagine if Peter was codependent, or I'm sorry, if Jesus was codependent in this moment. Like, imagine if Jesus didn't have this response. I can imagine this, Jesus going, hey, this is what God's called me to do. I'm going to die for all of humanity, but don't worry, I'm going to defeat death and raise again. And all the sudden, Peter goes, no, you can't do that. And Jesus says, okay, okay, just don't get upset, Peter. I'm cool. You know, hey, okay, fine, I I I won't do that. Uh, Jesus, if you do that, I'm going to be really upset with you because I left my job, I left my family, I was a pretty dang good fisherman, and you made me leave and said we'd be fishing for men. I haven't fished in three years, and you're telling me you're going to go die? If you do that, I'm going to be so mad. And I can imagine Jesus going, if he was codependent, going, okay, just chill, dude. I was going to die for all humanity, but since you want me to not do that, I'm not going to do that. Okay. I just, I want you to be happy. Right? Like that sounds ridiculous. Why? Because that's not what Jesus was called to do. Guess what? You sound ridiculous sometimes when you give in to controlling people because you're bending who God created you to be. We have to learn when we have to draw the line in the sand and say, no, that's not what I'm called to do. I'm sorry if this upsets you, but I can't be there for that, right? Like you have to understand when to draw the line in the sand. And so here's today's application. I want you to really think about this for a second. So maybe you recognize that you were in a relationship or you have a relationship with a controlling person. 
and it's hard for you. And you're like, okay, all this sounds great, but like, give me something to like actually help me because I need to, I need some help with my mom, my, my in-laws. I need some help with my boss. I need some help with whoever it is, right? Here, let me, let me help you understand something. I want you to write this down. The relationships you have are a combination of what you've created and what you've allowed. I'm going to say that again, and I feel like I'm preaching a little bit better than what I'm getting back. Here we go. The relationships you have are a combination of what you've created and what you've allowed. Think about it. Every single relationship you have, your marriage, the relationship you have with your parents, the relationship you have with your siblings, your friends, your coworkers, your boss, your kids, all of them are a result of what you've created and what you've allowed. If you've allowed somebody to control you and you have a controlling relationship in your life, you've allowed that to happen, right? Uh, we create patterns. We create healthy patterns, but we allow unhealthy patterns to take root. That person you can't stand, the mother-in-law that keeps getting in your business, that spouse that you love, but you always butt heads. It's a combination of what you've created and what you've allowed. So here's the application. Write this down. If you don't like what you have, change what you expect and what you accept. If you don't like what you have, change what you expect and what you accept. Leave that up for a little bit, Kev. Know when to draw a line in the sand. Jesus loved Peter very much. And the next second, he's shutting him down a little bit. Why? Because Jesus knew where to draw the line in the sand. So what does that look like in your life? Here's some good responses for some people that might be controlling in your life. I'm not going to let you talk to me that way. I love you, but that's inappropriate. This is not super aggressive, but it gets the point across, right? Like, hey, I care about you, but you can't talk to me that way. Hey, I know this is difficult, because I, but because I love you, I'm not going to bail you out again. Some of y'all need to say that to your kids, right? If you throw a fit, you can get mad at me, but I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. Like those are really healthy responses. And some of us have a hard time even hearing those and going, I can't imagine saying those. If I do that, if I say that to this person, they're going to lose their mind on me, right? Like some of you, I can tell you're kind of thinking this, but let me tell you right now, a controlling person is probably going to double down at first. They're going to get real mad. Like they're, they're going to like kind of freak out. They're going to yell. They're going to scream more. They're going to pout more. They're going to do all these things. But here's the thing. We have to draw the line in the sand and they might throw a fit, but that's not on you. You have to be okay with understanding your calling. They do that though. And here's what I want to really get into. They do that because they're hurt. There's something going on. They're hurt. They were hurt when they were a kid and they had a life that was very out of control, out of their control. And so now what they're trying to do is trying to control everything that they can as a defense mechanism because when they were kids, they couldn't control when their dad would come in and abuse them. They couldn't control when their, their, their parents would just fly off the handle or how their friends treated them at school. Like they're hurting in some way. And here's the deal. A lot of us, we kind of dance this codependent dance. And, and, and the thing is, is you're, you're changing that immediately when you draw a line in the sand. And it kind of, oh, people don't know what to do with that a little bit. Is it difficult? Yes. 
Absolutely. Having these conversations with people is so hard sometimes. And it, it'll break your heart because if you know that they're hurting, you think, I don't want to hurt them even more. But here's the thing is you can't allow another person's response dictate how you're going to handle a situation. But let's get real for a second as we kind of wrap up here. This whole time I've been talking about them, right? Like these people that we're around that, that are controlling but if I'm being honest, I can be this person. And as I was preparing for this message, I just was so convicted of going, you do this, Clint. Like your family walks on eggshells around you a lot of times. Like you're the one that, that makes the empty threats or that raises his voice or whatever. And I can be a controlling person. And I'd be willing to bet that I'm not the only controlling person in this room. And the reason I want to control is because I like to play God in my life. I think that I could do a great job of playing God in my life and I can get people to do what they want me to do. I can, I can just pout my way to it or threaten my way to it or whatever it is. But here is the honest to God's truth. If you struggle with being in control, I don't make a good God and neither do you. You think you know best. I think I know best, but guess what? I don't make a good God, and you don't either. And I think a lot of us have to understand that today. When we try to control people, we're trying to play God in their life, and that's not okay. We make it worse. Like, I, I will touch something and make it worse if I try to play God on it, but I like the feeling and the illusion of having control, so I can keep trying to do it and do it over and over again. But here's the deal. A lot of us, uh, we try to control because we want to help change people. Man, if I could just change my spouse, I can change my spouse. Like, I could really, I bet I could get her to come to church. I could get her to do this or that. Like, I can help, like, I don't like this attitude. I'm going to help change this attitude. I'm going to try to change my spouse. Maybe for you, you have a kid that's walked away from God and you're like, I've got to control the situation. I have to, they have to come over for dinner tonight, right? Because if, I, if they don't have dinner, they're not going to have a relationship with me. If they don't have a relationship with me, they're not going to ever come to know Jesus. They're always going to live this way. And I know they're hurting. I know they're married to a person I don't like, but they, I just got to, and you start to try to control or maybe uh, for you, it's something else and you're just trying to control. But guess what? You don't have the power to change people. You can't really control people. You don't have the power to change them. And you never will have the power to change them because you don't make a good God. I don't make a good God. But guess what? I know a good God that can change my spouse if I ever need it. I love you very much. You don't need to change it all, baby. But I do know a God that can change the people in my life. And he's the one that can help people overcome addiction. He's the one that can help kids come back to God. He's the one that can truly change people. When I recognize that, man, I have a God that I serve that can change people. It helps me not control people. I don't have to play God. But God is the one that can play God. And he can literally change people from the inside out. I don't have to do it on my own. And some of us need to let go of control and give control back to the one that, the only one that can do something about it. That's why at the very end of this story, Jesus says this. He says, then he said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you have to give up control. Like the, the way that you think is right, you have to give up control. You have to take up your cross and follow me. If you want to follow Jesus, you have to never be in control again. That's what it means. 
Never again are you gonna be in control when you follow Jesus. And if that sounds heartbreaking to you, then I feel like I failed you. Who better person to be in control than Jesus? What better thing can we bring people to? They don't need to come to me to change. I don't need to control them. I can give up my control and say, God, this is in your hands. My kids are in your hands. My finances are in your hands. My house search is in your hands. My job search is in your hands. God, my provision is in your hands. My next breath is in your hands. My spouse is in your hands. My future spouse is in your hands. You are the one that's in control. I've given up my own way. I wanna encourage us today. You don't have to be in control. God can be in control. I want you to bow your heads and just close your eyes in this place for me, please. Thank you. Let me ask you a question. Are you fully submitted to God or submitted to the control of others? I think for some of us in here, we've never even started a relationship with Jesus. He doesn't have control of your life. And we have to understand that that way of life is not the way that God has for you. And you might be a great person and you might be a nice person. You might be an amazing, uh, amazing person that does amazing things. But the Bible teaches very clearly that uh, until we give control up to him, we don't have a relationship with him. But God sent Jesus to die for our sins, to raise from the dead, to feed death for us so that we could have a relationship with him. That was Jesus's will. That's what God put Jesus on this earth to do. And today you can accept him in your life. And if that's you and you want to do that today, no one's looking around on the count of three. I just want to ask you, just slip your hand up, put it down. Real simple. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up here, do anything weird, but I do want to pray for you today. So that's you. If you want to start a relationship with Jesus today, give him control of your life count of three. Just slip your hand up. One, two, three. All right, you can put it back down. If that's you today, you can say this in your heart. Say, dear God, I give you control of my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back to life. I invite you into my life and in the best way I know how. I'll live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, y'all give God a hand for the people that made that decision today. So excited.